this time? Yeah, I do. I'm not, yeah. Sorry, let me just get myself. Sorry? A good atmosphere here this morning. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I might have a little bit of minutes time at the end. Okay. Time. Sure, and feel happy to stand up and do whatever you want. You no, know. Right. You can welcome uh, Norman Blows. He's come all the way from Horringer this morning. Yeah. So yeah, Father, we do pray for him. We do thank you for his, his preaching gift that uh, he most certainly has and we most certainly ble get blessed from, don't we? Yeah. yeah. I don't seem quite sure about that. I know, well, there we go. Yeah, Father, bless Norman as he shares with us. Help us to listen, to listen carefully, Lord God, and to learn about how we can build on the foundation that we've heard about this morning. Thank you, David. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to also introduce two of my friends, two of Caroline's friends, uh, David and Lorene Eaton. Give us a wave. They're from Crawley. We, uh, uh, we've known each other for years, um, and uh, David used to sit behind me uh, for something like uh, five years when we were in secondary school and uh, continuously kicked my chair. And uh, I used to sort of think to myself, why does he do this? And then I realized, I realized what the problem was. He's a Crystal Palace fan. He had to take his frustration out on something. So, but it is lovely to have you with us. It's really nice to have friends, isn't it, that have come from many years. And uh, David and Lorene have been in India and various other places and now settled in Crawley. And just really nice to have you with us. So welcome. And visitors, if you're visiting here today, uh, I, don't know who, I don't know your names, but really love to have you. I've uh, already given away... Uh, uh, some parents to Justin, uh, sorry about that, I gave your mum and dad away to Justin, got it all wrong. But anyway, um, today I'm just going to pick up what I was preaching about two weeks ago. And of course, I won't ask you what I was preaching about two weeks ago because you'll all smile and not know. But actually, I was preaching from uh, a verse that David gave me, Luke 15. And if you remember, it was where the tax collectors and the sinners, uh, listening and watching Jesus showing love the love of the Father and mercy to uh, tax to tax to um, oh, what they called sinners and I don't know what else they were they're outcasts and he was showing mercy to them and uh, the scribes and the Pharisees who uh, didn't know the love of God they said these words they that this man this man welcomes sinners and eats with them they had no idea of the love of God the Father. And uh, we ended that by just looking at uh, um, Ephesians chapter 3, which I didn't give you, uh, don't worry, put it up. Um, but it speaks of how the love of the Father is a gift of the Holy Spirit and um, how actually Paul thought it was very necessary, even for the Christians who were in Corinth, who'd given their lives to God and knew the presence of God, yet he continuously prayed for them. And what he prayed was these words from uh, Ephesians 3, verse 14 onwards, For this reason, he said, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and long and high and deep is the love of the Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that something to be prayed over you? Paul realized these Corinthian Christians, just like Barry St. Edmund Christians, maybe having given their lives to Jesus, recognized that he died on the cross for them. But actually, we and they need that constant filling of the Holy Spirit, reminding us that actually our, our purpose is to glorify Jesus in everything we do. And so, I said at the end of that two weeks ago, I'm going to now speak about the Holy Spirit and this Holy Spirit who conveys the love of God the Father. If you're not a Christian here this morning, uh, you may not fully know what I'm, all, all that I'm talking about. But don't worry, let God the Father speak to you as I speak. Let him touch your heart. Let him demonstrate his love to you because you also are included in this that I'm preaching. He includes those who come to him and get thirsty. So, would you turn with me to John chapter 7? And uh, when you get to John chapter 7, we find ourselves at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, if you look up in Leviticus, I won't go into it all now, but if you look up into Leviticus, you'll find that this was, I think... uh, a week-long celebration. It started with a Sabbath rest and ended with a Sabbath rest. And the people of God uh, would celebrate uh, the goodness of God, the love of God the Father. They'd wave palm leaves and they'd celebrate together. And when we get to John chapter 7, we're at the end, the last and greatest day of the feast. And I reading some books on this, I find that actually on that last day, the priests would start to pour water down the steps of the temple. It was an amazing visual aid of the outpouring of the love of God. And like every sort of uh, Channel 4 reporter worth his salt, you know, Jesus is standing in front of the steps of the temple. And behind him, there's going on this amazing visual aid of water cascading down the steps. Fresh water on a hot day cascading down. And when we get to John chapter 7 and verse 37, it says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it goes on, John as a commentator in verse 39, which I didn't ask you to put up there, don't worry, uh, Andy. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet 
being glorified. And we are looking ahead then to the day of Pentecost when having been received by the Father, the Spirit is poured out on the church and the wonderful presence of God is felt in such a way that those who don't know God intimately are caught up in that sense of God being here and start to ask questions. What does this mean? But going to all that today. I want to look with you today to just see what is Jesus praying in this John 7. So we're going to work through this and just have a look at each little part of it. Because actually Jesus is saying something very powerful here that is almost not an aside to what we're saying today, but we're going to look into Isaiah chapter 55 and Isaiah 58 in a moment where these words are almost mirrored. These words that were known by every Jewish person. These words of scripture. And Jesus saying the same thing, except he's saying, come to me. What is he saying? He's actually declaring, I am God. He's declaring, I am the one that you read about in Isaiah. I'm the one that you've heard about, that you've, you've read these scriptures and longed for that day when the Messiah would come. I want you to know, I am who I am. Isn't that exciting? I find it exciting. So let's look at this. Let everyone who is, what did it say? Thirsty. I want to ask you, are you thirsty for more? Are you thirsty for more of Jesus? Listen, David instigated recently um, this early morning prayer meeting for half an hour on a Wednesday quarter to seven to quarter past seven, to pray for revival. It's been doing something in me. I can't help it. I, it, it just the praying is sort of... Started, and I started to read books about um, uh, revival in the past and got thirsty and saying, God, I, I've seen, I have seen some of this. I lived through... Karen, I lived through a revival in Biggin Hill in 1975, something like that. When, when we started to pray for revival and, and, and God started to save people all over the place. I'll give my testimony later on on this. But there were days when the church, which was, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what it held, about 150, but it, was it about that? I, I, it was so full that people were outside in the car park looking in through the window. I know because I was sitting on the windowsill. Somebody had lifted me up and put me on the windowsill. I was on the windowsill, and they were looking in as we were baptizing people. And there were days when we would go out on the streets and we would sing of Jesus, and there was something of the glory of God. And you know, we planted four churches out of there. I'm just going to walk around here, not because I want to do something other than, get, I hope I brought a book with me that I want to read from. And you know what? I jolly well haven't. Now oh, that's very embarrassing. Oh, no, I have I'll read to this later. Um, yeah, so I've seen something of this, but you know, the days go on and you, you lose it a little bit. I haven't lost my love for Jesus. I haven't lost my foundation, but I, I've been getting thirsty. That's what Jesus said. If anyone's thirsty, 
What do we do? He didn't say go down the pub. He said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. And don't just come to me, but be prepared to drink in what I have to give you. You thirsty? See, if I was to just, um, just take a lovely sip of this nice water now, I could make you all feel... Mm. Mm. Oh, it's lovely. You look, just try some. Just... <laughs> see, see somebody else drinking, it makes you thirsty. And it says, if you are thirsty, come to the waters. So I want you to just turn. We're going to flip now, Andy, between John 7 and... <clears throat> and uh, look at Isaiah 55. When you look in Isaiah 55, you'll find these words um, mirrored. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declare the Lord. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain Verse 10, and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word. Did you get that bit? In the same way that the natural produces something, so is my word. He says, that comes from my mouth, says Father. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That is good news, isn't it? It's saying this word of God that we love is designed to produce something. And did you notice, you know, when we think about revival, if you look in the papers, you'll find, oh, well, you don't, they don't even care about the church. Now. They don't even bother to run the church down and you know but I've got loads of friends and I I talk to them about God and they, they don't seem to know anything about God and I blather on at them on, on and on and on you know which I, I you know I want to do but listen you might think and if you took a poll you know what do you think do you think uh, there's going to be revival well I don't know but the Bible says there will be I am coming I'm bringing my reviving I believe that the earth and the areas where we live are, first of all, revived by the church being revived. Being revived in this fresh water, in this running out of the spirit, of this giving of life to people. As somebody prayed this morning, I don't know who it was, that I think it was Day, uh, Barry praying something that they might see in us what, what is in us. And if they're going to see in us what is in us, it has to be pouring out, doesn't it? And that's why Paul said, you know, always give an account for the hope that is in you. When you talk to people, they're not full of hope, are they? 
They're full of, oh, you know, the gas is going up, the electric's going up, uh, I don't know, this and that. Actually, you come along, if you're filled with God, you can come along with something different. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm going through the, the gas problem and the, 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 the for me, the Horinger people, it's oil problem. But listen, I've got hope. Have you? Where'd you get that from? I got it from him. Amen. That's where hope comes. Listen, this is what the reviving of the church is. It's a reviving of knowing that when God says something, he means it. Let me read it again. It said that little bit. Verse 11, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then look at verse 13. Instead of the thorn bush, gas price has gone up, it says it will produce the juniper. I don't quite know how juniper works with gas, but anyway. And it's... Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. All I, I don't know much about, you know, uh, a junior person, but all I know is instead of something that's thorny and prickly, there's something that is beautiful, that brings hope to people, that doesn't necessarily immediately change their situation, but actually they're revived in their sense of knowing why they're alive. Hey, listen, they need to see something. They need to see this at work in us. And it says, uh, this will be for the Lord's renown. It says the last verse of 55, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This isn't about us. This is about him. This is about the church reflecting the love of God the Father for men and women and teenagers and toddlers and old people who live on this earth. So that instead of people going, this guy eats with sinners, they can say, this guy gave himself for me on the cross that I might live. So when Jesus, you know, you have got three or four hours, haven't you? Because I'm only on verse one. Yeah. In that first bit where it says, come, everyone's thirsty, it's rooted in Isaiah 55. And where it says, I'm, I'm back in John again now, Andy, it says, uh, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And it says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. First of all, our center for knowing the action and the flowing of the Holy Spirit's water in our lives is to be clear that this is about Jesus. This is, we come to Jesus. We come to him for his flowing water that he promised in this verse. He said, come to me. He said, come. And as we come to him, he says this in this verse. Let me read it. Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Now, there's a next bit that we can misunderstand, I think. It says, whoever believes in me as scripture has said. Now, I think that says two things. Number one, I think it says that this experience that John the commentator was able to say, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, is totally biblical. As the scripture says. But it's all, and you need to know that, because some people say, oh, I don't think that's scriptural. All this, I think are gifts of the Holy Spirit and so on. Is that scriptural? Yes, Jesus said it's scriptural. You've got to know and be convinced it's scriptural. But there's something else. 
It says in that John bit, let me read it again. Whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. What does that mean? Believes in him as the scripture has said. Let, let me repeat it again. Believes in him as the scripture has said. Well, if, if you turn to Isaiah 58, we might find what the scripture said to the Jewish people if they wanted to be awakened and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to know God. Actually, he said some really hard things in Isaiah 58 verse 6 onwards. So Andy's, I think, going to put those verses up. I'm going to read it because I don't just want to commentate it. I'm going to read it. Is not this the kind of fasting I... Oh, sorry, verse 8. Uh, well, I will read that, Andy. Don't worry, it's not up there. Is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is, not, is it not to share your food with hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? I mean, that's all very practical. And it's in these chapters where it's talking about having been thirsty, coming to him and drinking and receiving of the Spirit. Let me, then it says verse 8, then, then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. So when you meet people, they're, they're seeing something that makes them thirsty because you are drinking from the Holy Spirit and the righteousness of Christ is being seen in my life and your life. Let me read on. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call. And the Lord will answer. And, will, and you will cry for help. And he will say, here I am. Now, that's lovely, isn't it? But I didn't read the next bit. Because there's a sort of but in there. And the next bit says this. But there's a problem. See, listen to what we're talking about. Who is it who conveys the love of God? The Holy Spirit. What sort of spirit is he a? Holy spirit. Holy means set apart. It means not tainted by sin. Separated from sin. The Holy Spirit. And so the next little bit of that Isaiah 58 starts to uncover things that actually can cause us problems. Here we are. I'll read it. Verse, uh, well it's halfway through verse 9. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk, if you will spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. And your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring that whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up 
the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph in the, on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you see that? That's a bit unfortunate, isn't it? That, it's in there. Get your scissors out. Cut that bit out. Don't like that bit. Oh, I like to think about, you know, being like a well-watered garden, but, and, you know, a spring that never dries. To, you know, what's the, is that just having a go at us, isn't he? You know, what did you say about your neighbour? What did you think about that? Pointing your finger. And anyway, it came to Sunday and you thought, oh, blow it. Oh, it's a nice day. I'll go down the coast. It's a shame it's in there, really, isn't it? But actually, see, what God is saying is, I pour out my water on people who make the love of God a priority in their lives. Now, this isn't saying anything about if you're a nurse or a doctor and you can't come on a Sunday, and it's not saying anything about that. It's, it, I, in fact, it, it says something about you'll call the Sabbath a delight. So you can be a nurse working in a ward on a, on a Sunday, which is, you know, and it, you can still be in delight of God. You don't, you know, you're not out of delight with God, you know? Or if you've got children that are sick or, you know, or, or you really are totally exhausted and you're not worth talking to, well, stay at home and read your Bible, perhaps, and, but, you know, you can still be a delight to God. It's, a, it's an attitude thing. It's not you must be, because then we're back to what the Pharisees and the Sadducees said. God says, I want you to delight in me. I want you to find fun in being together. To be honest, I walked in here today and we're meeting all sorts of... I love being with the church. I wouldn't miss it for my life, except when we went to Hartley last week. But last week... <laughs> but last week, we went to the Lowestoft Church. Just because, you know, not because just because we're Christians, but because we delight with being people of God. We met all sorts of people we haven't seen for ages. We delight. Now, don't get conscious if you went away somewhere and didn't go to church. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, delight in God. Everything you do, let it be a delight. See, this river, this spring, comes, is a delightful spring. And it, it comes, I want to bring delight to you. Now, in a minute, if I get round to it, I'm going to give you my testimony on this. Because I'm quite excited about it, you may have noticed. But have you taken note of those things? See, it says, as the scripture has said. That's the point. See, the scripture says, I pour out my, my Holy Spirit on those who are letting the scripture speak to them about things that they probably don't want me to speak about. And keep saying, excuse me, can I ask you, is Jesus right at the center of your life? Is he in charge of everything? Is he in charge of your money and your hopes for the future and your career? Is that where he is? David was uh, telling me, I've learned a lot about David, although we've known each other for 50 years. Or I, I was his best man, he was my best man. Well, I was the best man, but he was, he was the second best man. Anyway, <laughs> but he, he was telling me how, you know, he's a guitarist, and um, there was something else you did, I can't remember what it was. 
Uh, oh, football, football. He's, yeah, he's a mad Palace fan. Well, he's a Palace fan and mad. So, anyway, <laughs> but he was saying when, when the challenge came to our, our class, where quite a few of us became Christians through crusaders and what have you, he said the big challenge was him. Is, but I've got my, I like my guitar playing. I'm part of a group. And anyway, I like my football. And he said, realize that this was a big deal. He, if he was going to follow Jesus, he was going to have to take that step and say, those things are good, but they become second to you. Is that right? Put it right. This is what it means. It means this for the church. We pray for revival. Actually, God's saying, I don't dislike those things that you're doing, but I want you, number one, my glory. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's just rivers of living. I, I want to be like a well-watered garden, don't you? Claire's been doing a great job on the allotment. The, the, you know, and when you go down there, it's all flourishing. But you know what? She regularly, and others, I think you've been water, watered it. It needs watering regularly. You don't say, well, I watered it last month. Well, what's happened? It doesn't seem to be like it was. Oh, perhaps, it, perhaps it wasn't a good idea after all. No, regularly go and water it. This is what this thing of the Holy Spirit is. We need to be regularly drawing on the Holy Spirit, regularly thirsting. It's not just something we did once. It's a regularly thirsty job that we want to follow on. And he speaks about these things about don't backbite. Listen, we're in a world. If you listen to radio, uh, was it um, News at One? And they, they put on what happened in the House of Commons. There's one guy shouting one end and one guy shouting the other end. And it's not a tremendously upbuilding, up is it? He done this and I've seen that. It's backbiting. Listen, the church mustn't be like that. The church must be a people who live in the world that we live in. But actually, we listen to God and we... It, Paul said something, if there's anything good, if there's anything worth repeating, say those things. I'm not quoting that properly. And so, going back now to John, Andy, keep your finger on there. Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, in other words, believe what the Old Testament says, but believe this is a scriptural experience. It says here, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Wow! And do you know it's all about him? Because you think, I, I, I can't do that. But hold on, isn't it Zechariah? Because Zechariah says this, not by might, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, it's the thing that God calls us to be as a church is not to do with my, my own might, by my own strength. You know, uh, Frank Spencer type, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. Well, Frank Spencer, some of you don't even know who he was, do you? No, you didn't live. I don't know what you did in your life. But anyway... It's not to do with it, it's to do with him. It's to do with drawing on this river who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the administrator, the demonstrator of the kingdom of God. He, he's the one, Jesus said, when he comes, he will convict of sin and unrighteousness and the judgment to come. That's why we got saved. It was his work in our lives. Without, without him, we can't be saved. But he's also the demonstrator, the administrator, who puts the church together and allows the gifts that God brings, which bring the love of God, because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is the love of God. It starts to work in the church the way he administers it. 
And so there's whole chapters in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talk about how the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all administered. I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about actually just being thirsty for this Holy Spirit. They flow out with the river. But I'm talking about this thirstiness and a desire for the love of God and a desire for purity once again in our nation. A desire for men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, old people who are living lives without any knowledge that there's any purpose in life at all. To discover that Jesus has a purpose for them in their lives. And he wants us to demonstrate it. I said I've been reading a lot of books on revival I've been reading one particularly, some of you will have read, others of you won't. But uh, it's about Duncan Campbell in the um, early 1940s. He was was an evangelist and uh, he he was a garlic speaker and he he was sent to the Hebrides, various outer Hebrides and so on, to preach. They'd seen revival before he came. And there were two sisters who I've mentioned to you before, the two Smith sisters, one who had uh, totally buckled up with arthritis, the other one was uh, blind, the older one was blind, and they, they didn't settle for, well, I, I, you know, I'm old and I'm blind and I've lost my teeth and the hair and I can't do anything. No, they didn't. They said, what can I do? And they prayed for where they lived. They prayed for the communities. They prayed for the villages. They prayed that God would come that God would refresh, that the river of life would flow. And um, actually God spoke to them and said, there's a guy called Duncan Campbell, he'll come. And, um, and uh, they started praying for him. And Duncan Campbell didn't want to go when God called him. He was quite reluctant. But anyway, he came. And when he came, the ladies said, but yeah, we knew we were coming because God told us. They were a bit formidable, these two ladies. In fact, at one point during the revival, which I'll talk about in a minute, they... Um, they said, you need to go over to this village on the other side of the island. And he said, no, I'm not going there. He said, I don't have you. He didn't say that because he was Christian. He said, I have no witness about that. <clears throat> he said, um, he said uh, no, they're all against the revival. I'm not going over there. And one, this, one of these, I think it was uh, one of the Smith sisters said to him, Mr. Campbell, if you were walking with the Lord the way you should be, you would know that what I've said is right. <laughs> And he was poleaxed, and he thought, oh my goodness, my number's up. So he went and found that God had gone before him, as the ladies had said. And that they, were, they, were, they suddenly said, actually, there's a meeting going on in the village hall, and people are seeking God. And so he didn't have to do anything except for preach the gospel and invite people to follow Jesus. Well, what, why am I saying all that? Well, apart from the fact I've been excited about revivals, but then they happened long ago, didn't they? No, actually, yeah, they did. But actually God's saying, I want to revive now. He's in the revival business. And I was just reading, uh, when, when uh, he went to Lewis, the island of Lewis, they'd had a revival in the past and people had been praying for revival in the, in the things. And it says for months they prayed. Then feeling it was time to uh, then get a missionary to come, they invited, uh, as I just said, they invited uh, Duncan Campbell. But you know, the, prairie, the praying continued. And I'm going to read you this little bit. 
Uh, it says, in the same district, at the same time, a group of men were praying in a barn. And they experienced a foretaste of coming blessing. In other words, it's like God said to them, something's going to happen soon. One night, as they waited upon God, a young deacon rose and read part of the 24th Psalm, which says this, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, and has not lifted up his soul to vanity or sworn deceitfully. And he read this psalm out loud, and then he said this. Turning to the others, he said, Brethren, it's a bit old English, but I'll read it the way it is. Brethren, it seems to me just so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. Then lifting up his hands to heaven, he cried, Oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And he got no further, but fell prostrate on the floor. An awareness of God filled the barn, and a stream of supernatural power was let loose in their lives. They'd moved into a new sphere of God-realization, believing implicitly in the promise of revival. And so it was to be. I was struck by that. We've been praying for revival. I was struck by that with the Isaiah 55, the Isaiah 58. Oh, I am praying for revival. Maybe we've got a reputation for praying. I don't know. And then the Holy Spirit says, and then some, some, but are my hands clean? In every revival there's ever been, God starts to convict the church. I want pure people. Didn't mean they stopped having fun. Didn't mean they were three foot above contradiction. It just meant they were doing business with the living God. That happened in Biggin Hill. I remember God speaking to us about how we were living. And since we've been praying, it's all David's fault, I've been feeling the same. I've been finding the Holy Spirit speaking to me about things and saying, oh yes. And uh, do you know, the greatest evidence of the movement of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, it's my opinion, is that we do what he says. Some of you say, oh, it's speaking in tongues. Oh, it's a prophecy. Yep, maybe it is. But for me, the greatest understanding that the Holy Spirit is working in a life is that somebody starts to obey what the Holy Spirit is saying, puts it into practice, and that pleases God. When the, what I call a revival happened in Biggin Hill, I, do, I, do, I was talking to Ray Lowe, who used to pass the church just recently, and I said, Ray, I think we lived through revival. He said, yeah, I think we did. I, I was a miserable old goat. I, I, I'd come from a good Anglican church where David and I was and Paul was. And we're not taking over the place, by the way. And, and I, I, did, I didn't, I, I, I'd given my life to Jesus, but um, I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. I mean, on Whit Sunday, we would read the scriptures about who the Holy Spirit was, and that was all good. But I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. And I, 
When we moved to Biggin Hill, we carried on going down to Beckenham, to the church there. And, and then we started meeting people who lived in the village. And in a Baptist church, there was an amazing act of God going on. Actually, dear couple who, uh, Jeff's now before the throne. He, he went there just recently. But Jeff and Carol Gillard, they, they were just about to leave the church. They were so fed up with nothing happening. And then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They started to realize that God's presence wanted to be in them and to, to read and understand. Well, I, I met them. But the first time we met them, Cara and I were out and shopping in Biggin Hill. And uh, I just crossed, we just crossed over the pedestrian crossing. And there's Jeff and Carol, uh, no, Jeff and David, his brother, playing the guitars, standing outside the church, singing about Jesus. And I looked and I thought, oh my goodness, what have we got here? Mad Pentecostals, I thought, oh dear. I was, I was really worried. And another lady, uh, uh, what was her name? I've forgotten her name now. But anyway, she ran up to me in the street and put her arms around me. I thought, what? She said, my son's just got saved. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I said to Carol, let's get out of here. They're mad. <laughs> and I, I did think they were mad. I, I was very afraid of any emotionalism. Very afraid of letting go. I... I, I cut my grass, I think I've told you this before, I cut my grass on a Sunday in the back garden, but not the front. In case neighbours saw that I was cutting the grass in the front, see. I was like that in a legalistic way. I, I, I made things, I like boxes to tick, see. I've, I've been all right here, got my nose clean. But these people weren't like that. These people exuded the love of God. In fact, this Jeff, as I was running away, he said, by the way, why didn't you come down to our house and have tea with us? I thought, What? But I went down to his house. And I think I may have said this to you before. See, when I knocked on people's doors before that, knocked on the door, they say, oh, hello, it's you. Oh, I suppose you'd better come in. But when I knocked on Jeff's door, he said, Norman, how nice to see you. Come in. Sit yourself down. Make yourself at home. What I could drink. I thought, I've never met that before. This guy actually likes me. He said, why don't you come on Friday evenings and just go through the scriptures about who the Holy Spirit is and the love of God. Well, I just argued, argued week after week. I used to walk back up the hill thinking, why do they love me? Why do they love me? Why are they showing me such care? I'm arguing the toss. I'm a miserable old goat. Why do they love me? And then they started learning me books. And I was reading books like Hudson Taylor, uh, his, his, his biography, and um, James O. Fraser, uh, mountain rain, he went to China. And these men who, who lived in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I was getting very thirsty. See, ah, got thirsty. I've come back to the room. I've got very thirsty. And one day, I was reading a book by, um, I don't know, Cheryl something or other. I can't remember her name now. But anyway, I, I was reading this book and I got to the end. And I'm sitting in my chair in the lounge. And... Um, and uh, my, my wife's not there. She's somewhere else. I don't know where she is, but she's not there. And suddenly I thought, oh, I see. You're, the, you're God, aren't you, Holy Spirit? Because I hadn't realized that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's God. And I, I may be thick as two short planks, and you may agree with me, but I thought I didn't realize that. And I thought, oh, you're God. 
And you know, something happened in me at that moment when I realized the Holy Spirit was God. There were three things. I, I didn't think about them. It just went bang, bang, bang in my head. And the three things were this. I said, oh, in that case, I can be sure that I'm going to heaven. The second thing was, I thought, oh, in that case, I can trust God with my money. And in that case, third one, I can believe in miracles. They were just like, bang, bang, bang. It was almost like God was doing an Ephesians chapter 2, where, you know, it says the Holy Spirit is the seal, you know, helping you to... It was like he said, we just put these pieces in place in your head. They've been true about your life because you gave your life to me, but you haven't understood that actually I'm a miraculous God and the Holy Spirit is God and he administrates my kingdom and my love to you. So those three things, bang, bang, bang. I know I'm going to heaven. I could trust God with my money because I was really tight-fisted at that point and I can believe in miracles. Then I said, the only thing that you can say, and I didn't think about it, I just said, oh Lord, all right then Lord, what do I do now? It's a good thing to say to the Holy Spirit. What do I do now? And he said, your wife is in the kitchen washing up. Go and do it for her. So I went into the kitchen and I said to her, I'll do that for you, darling. And she said, what has happened to you? which is an indictment on me. And I said, interesting what I've said, I said, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she said, oh, I'm so pleased. She said, you've been so angry for so long about this subject. And she said, actually, I started speaking in tongues myself a few weeks ago, but I didn't dare tell you. Now, for me, I wasn't speaking in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit were not the big deal for me. The big deal was knowing who the Holy Spirit was and letting the Holy Spirit convey the love of God to me. Later on, I started speaking in tongues and other things or whatever, but they're not the big thing. The big thing is glorifying Jesus. Got to get it right. That's my testimony. I've never been the same since. In fact, about four weeks later, I was out with Jeff and... Carol, uh, Jeff and David Gillard, them playing the guitar and me playing my double bass. And I taught in the school, in the village. So all the kids would say, what were you doing on Saturday, sir? We saw you having your double bass. But actually, I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And do you know, God started to work in the kids that I worked. Not, not because I'd said very much, but because there was an, an administration of God's love coming out of us. Isn't that what we want? Is that what we, what we want? See, what have I said? See, let me go back to this John thing. I'm almost finished. It's only half past three. I, see, <laughs> let anyone, anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, let's get it right. Let the Holy Spirit speak about anything that is a blockage or anything like that and believe that this whole thing of the love of God pouring out like a river is a biblical thing. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. By this, he meant the Spirit. I want to be like a well-watered garden. Can I just finish by saying 
what I feel would be the way ahead. Where to begin? Can I ask you, if you don't know what I'm speaking about, you, you can see what it's biblical and all that, maybe. Well, if you don't think it's biblical, then again, come and talk to me. I could show you some other scriptures. That, that's perfectly all right. You're allowed to work your way through this. You, uh, you, you, you're allowed to, like I did, I was for months I, I was fighting with the whole thing, trying to get my head around it. Now, some people don't need that. I just needed that. It, it mattered to me that it was scriptural. It mattered to me that I could find it in the Bible. It mattered to me it wasn't just an experience that some people had, but it was rooted in who Jesus is. So, would you give a bit of time to that? Ask him to show you anything in your life where there are blockages that the Holy Spirit might be saying, actually, every time I try and go down this road, there's a song, ah, ah. there's a blockage. Maybe it's attitudes, maybe it's anger. It, it, it could be anything, not terrible things. Some, you know, oh, well, I, I don't really feel, you know, I need to be in church every Sunday. No, I'm not saying you've got to be in church every Sunday, but it could be all sorts of attitudes like that. And ask him, like David prayed, search me, O oh God, and try me, and see if there's any evil way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. That's what David prayed. He was the king. Settle in your mind who the Holy Spirit is. Talk to him. He is the administrator and the demonstrator and the instigator of the kingdom. It's his job to bring us to Christ. It's his job to strengthen us on a daily basis. It's his job to pour out the gifts of the Holy Spirit on us so that Jesus can be glorified. Talk to him. He's really friendly. He will tell you things like, well, go out in the kitchen and help your wife with them. It's very practical. Oh, well, I find it very practical. Do you know when I'm doing jobs plumbing jobs or something like that. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do with this. And I find, Lord, would you help me? Just a plumbing job. I find thoughts come in my head. I don't, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Try that. And I, you'll hear me in the bathroom going, yes, Lord, amen. <laughs> Plumbing's never been so much fun. <laughs> Bring him into everything you do. And as you read the Bible... Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Don't just read words. Oh, I've read that bit. Let's say, would you speak to me about these words? Let these words sink into me. Uh, read, read. Somebody's trying to read your way through the whole Bible. Settle with a verse. And read that verse and then chew on that verse all day. What does that mean? I do that. I find it quite, quite awkward at times. But let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And say, Lord... I want a thirst for this. I want to ask you one, two questions. I almost finished, David. Sorry. Do you have the witness of the Holy Spirit that you're saved? If you haven't got that witness, then speak to David or a friend in your group or something. Say, I haven't got that witness in my life that I'm saved. Because I didn't have that, but I didn't know it. But let the Holy Spirit bring that. Or if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, give yourself wholeheartedly to him. Number two, do you believe that the Holy Spirit could use you in miraculous ways? Good luck to be... No, let him do what he wants to do. Do you believe it? I've seen God use me in miraculous ways and it scared the life out of me. And if I, if I knew what was about to happen, I wouldn't have done what I did. But God said, go and do this now. And I've seen him at work. It's about him, not about us. Do you 
do you believe and are you happy with God the Father having access to everything you have? Your money, your career, your worries about health, everything. Give it to him. He's the administrator of the kingdom. Let the Holy Spirit work that in you. And do you believe that God can use you to bring hope to other people? Because he can. But there's a little voice in your head that says, now you're no good at this. Don't say that. <coughs> say, hold on. I'm not part of that miserable kingdom. I'm part of a kingdom where God is Lord. And start to let him have access to every corner of your life. Remember Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit. I want to leave that. Uh, David, if I may, at some stage I'd like to come back and speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how that works in the church. But first I want to settle it on this area. This area of believing in Jesus. The thing is, that was unfair because he couldn't say no. Um, <laughs> So to let the Holy Spirit speak into your life first and get thirsty. And as you get thirsty, get somebody else to pray for you. Speak to the Holy Spirit. Let him do his work in you and do what he wants to do. If you're not a Christian here this morning, speak to somebody and say, how can I become a Christian? And they will just show you the scriptures and pray with you or you can ask. All, basically all you have to do is say Lord Jesus I want you to be the Lord of my life and at that time he may speak to you about like David said your guitar playing or your football which is not bad but in the way and say I want you to give everything to me and he will do it may I ask you to stand with me and I want you just to put your hands out to God like little children sorry David I've gone on a bit and I, I just, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do his work in us. Holy Spirit, would you just come upon us now as we stand before you? We put our hands out to you as children, really. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring the love of the Father to us, deeply into our souls? Would you please speak to us about matters arising that you want to deal with in our lives. Would you help us to understand the love of the God, love of God, the depth, the height, the breadth of the love of the Father, that we may be filled to the full measure, oh, the full measure of the glory of God, that, Father, we might see you moving powerfully through this church and through each one of us as a family member, demonstrating, living out, and bringing the love of God the Father to those around us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We show our appreciation to Norman. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, we are going to close with a song. And uh, just I think this is really important. This morning I was walking um, the dog, as my father in the faith taught me to do, that Norman. And I just noted how, how dry the grass was. It's like hay, and, but it's still grass. And I just thought to myself, God, whenever you drip water on that, that's going to be transformed into beautiful green grass again, like the grass from my country, which is always green. And I just felt like, as Norman was sharing there, some of us are very thirsty, 
very, very uh, parched, very dry. And as we sing this last song, I would just love you just to ask your neighbor, are you feeling dry? And then pray for one another that God would indeed quench our spiritual thirst. Can we do that? Is that okay, Paul? Absolutely. So I really encourage you to be active in that. Ask the person near you. 